Mashiach now. Chag Hamatzot Sameach. Hope everyone's been having a happy Passover. We are moments away from Acharon Shel Pesach. One day in Yisrael, two days in the diaspora. And what's amazing about this, this is brought down from Rabbi Pavanov Shlita, myemacronym.com. Check it out. Amazing, amazing, amazing. Uh, but he was bringing down the fact that when you look at the eighth day of Pesach in the diaspora, my oh my, what is in the Haftarah? All about, can we please get done with this exile? <laughs> and everything that we have to look forward to and anticipate. So really... There's technically not an eighth day of Pesach, but we only have an eighth day of Pesach because of not being fully in the land, which we're slowly but surely returning. We're at just under 50 percent occupation of our homeland, the only land the Jews belong to truly. And once we cross the 50 percent threshold and we move that much closer to the messianic era really being uh full blown so slowly but surely we're getting there and we're praying that hashem really speeds it up time is going by so fast anyway so why not reveal our king and the temple and everyone to be able to have a beautiful homecoming they've had all these home theme movies about spider-man and it's like homecoming, far from home, no way home. It's just like, uh, how about we just go home? <laughs> so, uh, but yeah, so being homeless and uh, foxes have holes, birds have nests, but the son of man and his followers have no place to lay their head. Uh, yeah, that's Yisrael. As the Mashiach is not home, so we are not. And the Shekinah is still among us in the exile. So this is the only way we have truly survived. So thinking about the the big, big bracha of the diaspora is that, you know, we really cry out, Hashem, please bring us home, Abba. We want to be home. We want the bird's nest to be rebuilt, the mother bird to be in the nest with her young ones. Because that is the Beta Magdash. And it's so, so beautiful to think about everything that's going on. And Shir Hashirim, Song of Songs, is the Megillah that we have been studying and reading throughout this week. So if you haven't gotten a chance to do that, make sure you do it. Uh, it's definitely themed with everything of Mitzrayim all the way to the to the desert and to getting into the promised land and on through the kings and everything like that and a future redemption that we have to look forward to so there's a lot in there and the biggest thing about Acharon Shel Pesach the seventh day of Pesach is this is when the sea was split and before we go there I just want to bring down something from my rabbi Rabbi Trugman Shlita last night we counted five days of the omer so if you ever get off track and people want to know what omer are we counting tonight well you count by or you remind yourself or anyone else by what you previously counted because you don't say the, the the day of the omer that is yet to be counted because you basically if you blurt it out uh, now the rest of your omer count is recited without a bracha so there's a lot of significance to that, and it's part of the halacha that will bring down that description. So if you have access to Sfaria, 
or if you have access to the Shulchan Aruch, the Kitzer, uh, definitely look up the Omer Counts information and get you some on that. And also, if you have Master Plan, that's the, the go-to book for us here at Magin Yashenu. And uh, it's got a lot of really, really good information. Uh, Horeb, uh, the tour, and um, the Mishneh Torah from Rambam. So there are many codifications of the Halakha, or you can just go straight to the Talmud, and it'll bring these things down. But with that being said, as we counted last night... We counted Hod Sheb Chesed, and this is brought down, I believe, from uh, the Sfirat HaOmer book uh, of Rabbi Trugman. So it says, the many meanings of the word Hod are among the most important ingredients for healthy love relationships on all levels, from the human to the divine, acknowledge praise, giving thanks, and confession. These are all translations of hode. Acknowledgement, hode is praise, hode is giving thanks, hode is also confessing. Might I remind you, the word hode is the central word in the word Yehudi, which is how you say Jew. The word Yehudi is Yud, He, Vav, Dalit, Yud. And you have the Yud at the beginning, the Yud at the end, and in the middle you have He, Vav, Dalit. So everything about being a Jew is about being uplifted by the two Yuds on the end. That's the, the Ten Commandments, the Ten Statements of Creation, that can also be the, the 10 uh, soul powers known as the 10 attributes uh, that you would see in the Kabbalistic tree of life and all the other things of 10 that you could think about. So with that being said, we are surrounded by those in acknowledgement and praise and in thanksgiving and confession like that is a Jew. And, you know, you put the, the U together, that makes the, the hand. Because when you spell out Yud, it's Yud Vav Dalit, which is how you say hand. So you have two hands or arms uh, that are holding up a Jew. Or a Jew is one who holds up two hands in confession, acknowledgement, praise, and thanksgiving. So either way, we're in Hashem's hands or we're holding up our hands because there's always that mirror picture because Hashem is the shade at our right hand. He does everything measure for measure. So what we do, he reflects. And this is something that we have to really connect with, especially while we're trying to get out of exile. The more we try to get towards him, the more he tries to get towards us. The, the Shliach Yaakov Put it this way, draw near to Hashem and he will draw near to you. So with that established, this is what it says. Admitting when one is in the wrong. Uh, glory is another meaning of hode. It encapsulates the thrill, joy and special feeling of being in love. So a Jew is one who is just lovesick. Again, this is why Shia Shirim is so important because this is the birthday of the Jewish people. 
since Rosh Hodesh Nisan, we've been celebrating our birthday. This is the, the birth of a nation. And we were birthed out of darkness, exile, slavery, confinement. You know, we here in America know about the horrible history of slavery, not just a few hundred years ago. And remnants of it still kind of exist in mentality anyway. But that pales in comparison to what we were in Mitzrayim. And it wasn't just the the sons of Yaakov. It was the whole entire world because many joined themselves. Many strangers joined themselves to the house of Hashem. And Hashem accepted them, brought them in. They became grafted into the Jewish people. And a few generations later, because it takes three whole generations to completely assimilate into the nation. I don't know if many people know that, but that's the understanding of why Pencus, who was the grandson of Aharon, was actually able to, um, even though it was outside the scope, actually able to become a Kohen by Hashem's uh, command, because otherwise he could not be a Kohen because he was generations removed from being a son of Aharon. He was a grandson. And so it's just really interesting that he also qualified through the fact of one of Aharon's sons marrying a convert and the offspring of a Levi, which in this case would also be a Cohen because the son of Aharon, the offspring of that union would be qualified to be a Cohen, but not the convert themselves. So much so that it's put that if a daughter of the house of Levi marries a convert, that convert doesn't get to qualify to become a Levi, but his child does. So it's just really interesting when you look at kind of the technicalities and how that all maps out, but it takes three generations. This is why we have to understand the significance of Abraham, Yitzchak, and Yaakov. So anyway, all of that being said, it says these, these aspects of Hod listed above are critical to the way a Jew relates to loving God, especially through prayer and reciting blessings. Our, our brachot and our prayers are tefillot, brachot and tefillot are not about mandatory requirements. They flow from a heart lovesick for Hashem. Many people may look at you like, why in the world do you do these commandments? Why are you so militant for Hashem? Not militant in the fact that you're being a terror or, or a, um, you know, you are tyrannical in your mentality, condemning people and things like that. But you're just very firm, you know, with your boundaries. Like, I will keep the Shabbat. I will eat kosher. I will dress the newt. And, you know, um, I'm not going to apologize. This is the way I live. I live for Hashem. This is not because I'm commanded to do it. There's a blessing that I'm commanded to do it because it's actually more of a bracha that we do something since we're commanded as opposed to doing something that we're not commanded to do, which is really interesting. But that's aside from the fact of everything that we do is all about love. And this is so important that even when we fail, because we do, that our failures actually are virtuous for us because we're so in love with Hashem that we can cause our 
our inadvertent mistakes to become merits and actually uh, be seen as something that we did for Hashem as opposed to against Hashem. But it's through the power of love that our sin is transformed in the process of our acknowledging, whoa, I sinned, I messed up, I made a mistake, I need to fix it, I want to fix it, and I will walk in the, the path of fixing it, which is tikkun, repair, teshuva, turning around, refraining from what caused the damage in the first place. You've, you've acknowledged the damage, you've figured out what caused it, and you have refrained from what causes it, and now you're making steps to, uh, to build it up, fix it, pay for it. So that's the teshuva process. It's not just going, oh, I'm sorry, God, and do-do-do, I love you. It's like, no. But when you do that full process, your, your sins, by the way, do not get erased. They either become uh, merits because you have you, you've repented out of love or they become um, like lessened in their impact on the, the judgment side of things. If you've repented out of fear or any other kind of way, it, it basically becomes mitigated in a sense and through struggles, um, temptation or not temptations, but tribulations and, and troubles that you may experience. Those things also help you pay for your sin. So if you ever wonder why are things so difficult sometimes, why are so much heartache and pain you have to experience? That's because that's some of the stuff that we've done. And we also pay off other people's sins because when you're connected to a community or, you know, a household and things like that, it all flows in together. So we are connected, uh, which to say the least is uh, a big thing. But going on, it says in the rest of this um, insight from Rabbi, it says one's love of God and in fact, other people as well is best expressed through praise and thanksgiving. Thus, Hod of Chesed, Hod Shev Chesed is a good day to truly give thanks for all of one's blessings. Now, this is so cool because the amazing thing is people were talking about this today where I work and they were just saying, what do we have to complain for? We should be grateful that we are well. Everything is good. You know, we're alive. We're breathing. Yeah, we may not have everything we want. We may not have everything that uh, we necessarily need, you know, because in some cases there's there's needs that aren't met. And it's just kind of like, well, well, what's up with the lack? But Hashem has put breath in your lungs. You have the opportunity to ask him for things. And Bezrat Hashem within time, he'll supply. Hashem's timing is absolutely perfect and beyond imagination of how just spot on it is. But anyway, uh, going on to say this is uh, so important that, you know, we acknowledge the thanks and and really just be appreciative, not only of Hashem and not only of other people, but of ourselves. One of the biggest things that we have to understand is self-love because the reason there's a lack of love in the world is because many people aren't loving themselves. And that that obviously can be a rabbit hole because there's a lot of things we have to work through to actualize that. But uh, as one particular account on YouTube put it, 
it was a, a picture that they posted and it said the biggest flex that someone can do is to um, not act out of the hurt that has been caused to them. And it was just this this beautiful way of just putting it because flex is a hood term for like if you really want to do something legit or over the top or if you really want to show what you're made of, you know, like when a person flexes that kind of thing, like showing off a little bit. If you really want to show off, you really want to flex. How about you do what is the opposite of what you have received? If you have been hurt, like in that instance, like if you've been hurt to be able to go around and not hurt others, you know, turn that hurt and that pain into productive and beneficial actions not only to your fellow man, but also to creation, you know, that energy flow like uh, Tai Chi is one particular type of martial arts that you can reverse the enemy's uh, attack and it becomes lethal unto him. So what he meant to do to hurt you was actually turned on his own head and it actually became a tactical maneuver to be victorious in the fight. So that is way beyond what I really wanted to go into, but I really want to close this out with understanding the significance of why the parting of the Yom Suf and the the crying for Mashiach and the the really the the level that we have available for us as we move out of Pesach into the rest of Sefirat HaOmer on to Shavuot. Because Shavuot is the end goal. Shavuot is actually the eighth day of Pesach. Just like we have the eighth day of Sukkot, Ishmini Adzeret, it, it's supposed to be Shavuot for Pesach. But we have a big, big stretching out. Like, you know, Reed Richards from Fantastic Four. Like, we stretch this thing. Like, Mitzrayim is stretched all the way from, from Pesach all the way to, to uh, Shavuot. And so, this, this beautiful passageway that we're really building up from coming from nothing to really getting everything and nothing at the same time. Because the fullness of being able to manifest the Torah and creation is a, a complete emptying of self, but a complete filling of self. Because the Torah is full of Hashem, but yet empty enough for us to become a part of it. Like there's enough space in there for us and the, the space and the emptiness. And again, I would cite Shifra Hana Hendry. May she live and be well. Uh, she just posted about this this week about really what the emptiness and the void is. It's not really empty when it says Hashem contracted himself to make a space for creation, you know, and how the, the that's even in the Torah. You know, there's space for us all in there. You know, but yet it's so full. It's filled with Hashem. It's filled with godliness. So anyway, all that being said, there was a thing that we we were and we attained when we got to Mount Sinai, when we got to Shavuot. And it was through Chag HaMatzot. It was through Sfirat HaOmer and through the challenges that we overcame in the wilderness and the enemies we battled like Amalek or Amalek. Amelech, Slika, Amelech. I'm learning how to pronounce it. Amelech. That's how you actually pronounce it. 
Anyway, according to one of the 12 traditions, that's how you pronounce it, because there's 12 new socks in uh, the body of Israel, because it corresponds to the 12 tribes. Anyway, lots of different pronunciations. So this is uh, just to key in and make some connections to the Basora when they there was an accusation about who Kepha was when he was in the process of denying the Mashiach. They said, no, you sound like one of those 12 that was hanging around with this guy. You I'm pretty sure you're you're probably one of his followers. And he's like, no, I don't know that man. It's like, dude, you're. Your um your accent gives it away. <laughs> like the way you talk and you pronounce things gives it away. And that's actually kind of a loose affiliation to how the tribes are. There's a certain way, uh, in particular, the Midrash Rabbah actually brought this down, saying that the Ephraimites, the tribe of Ephraim, had a, a interesting way that they spoke that gave them away, like, oh, you're you're from that tribe. Oh, okay, that's why you sound like that. <laughs> You know, here in the United States, we have uh, <laughs> we have good old Southerners. You know, where we had a little twang in our talk, and then we got the Northerners and so on and so forth. Anyway, in the Tehillim, and specifically Tehillim eighty-two, what we attained at Mount Sinai was what we had before we ate from the tree of the knowledge of good and evil in the garden. So pre-Genesis three. We were angelic, even considered divine. We actually still have remnants of that now. We can work our way up to it. But with all that being said, check this out. So this is 82.6. I said, you are angelic. Sons of the Most High are you all. But like men, you shall die. And like one of the princes, you shall fall. Now, between these two verses, we see the downfall of our angelic-like existence and our God-like, not that we were God, but God-like existence was dropped, lost. And this happened to us at the mountain because when we said Nasev and Nishma, we attained immortality. The angel of death was like, oh, I can't kill anybody anymore. What do I do? God's like, well, you have all the other nations of the world who did not accept the Torah. So go have fun, not go have fun. But like, though, that's where you're going to operate. You can't touch my my anointed ones because they're immortal now. They're going to bring Geula into the world. They're going to be Mashiach. So when we look at is Mashiach divine and all that, we got to understand to Elim 82. So may that be your source text to really uh, be able to frame talking about Mashiach talking about Israel because Israel, even though we are considered dead like a valley of dry bones, according to the prophecy of Yehezkiel, um, yeah, we're still we're still alive, just like Mashiach ben Yosef, still alive. Yosef himself, Yosef ben Yaakov, still alive, even though everyone thought he was dead. So when we talk about angelic and uh sons of the most high like that's a really really big thing no other nation has that but one day uh, according to many opinions the whole entire world will attain that so those who have inherited the olam haba get ready buckle up your seatbelt. <laughs> transition ahead 
So just to give you a few uh, sites of the commentary and um, be on our way, it says, I said, you are angelic in this manner. The Holy Spirit of God addresses itself to the judges of the realm. This is from the Al Sheikh. This is really speaking about members of the Sanhedrin and anyone who's judging court cases. Really, when we look at Elohim, which is that name there, like, you know, aren't you aren't weren't we all considered to be Elohim, you know, sons of God? John chapter 10. Does this ring a bell? Check that out where Mashiach is talking because everyone's like, oh, he's making himself out to be a deity. And he's like, no, go back to Psalm 82. Anyway, <laughs> so it says you, the honest judges who represent the will of God on earth are called Elohim. Exodus 22, 8. So the thing is, the whole thing about being Elohim has to do with being the seat of the will of God on the earth. Is Hashem's kingdom established in you or not? Because if it is, if you're empty of yourself and striving to be more empty of yourself, you become the seat of the will of God. And this is really about what happened to us when we walked through the sea. The enemy still chased us and the enemy still tried to fight us. There were sorcerers and uh, witchcraft and all sorts of other tactics employed against us as we were in the sea. But Hashem was fighting for us. And our job was to say, Hashem, let your kingdom come and your will be done on earth as it is in heaven. On earth being us, us, our heart, our altar. The altar in the, in the Mishkan and in the temple was made with earth. You know, like there was earth, there was dirt in the altar, you know. So when we really look at, you know, what's going on with us being uh, living Corbinot, living sacrifices, like we have to be having Hashem's will and his kingdom. You know, Mashiach says, seek first the kingdom of heaven and all these things will be added to you. Sons of the Most High are you all, which is Uvne Elion Kulkem. Wow. Ben Elion, son of the Most High. Ben Ha Elohim was what Kepha said and professed to Mashiach when, when he was asked, Well, who do you say I am, Kepha? And Kepha's like, Oh, you're Ben Ha Elohim. And guess what? That's Yisrael. We are supposed to be Ben Elohim. We're supposed to look exactly like Mashiach. This is why Mashiachim is a thing that's mentioned at the end of Ovadia, a.k.a. Obadiah. And this is where the term Christians came from. It was supposed to be little Christs. So the same thing with Yisrael. Yisrael means Mashiachs. Like we're all meant to be the Mashiach. This is why we attain this level at the mountain, Mashiach was in the form of the two tablets in the hands of Moshe Rabbeinu coming down the mountain. That's That was Mashiach. But we rejected it. And then when the Mashiach actually came, uh, we rejected him. But guess what? When he comes again, we're not going to reject him. Full revelation is going to be known. Yisrael and complete will be resurrected. So we will. it's going to be like a crazy shift and psyche and consciousness. So the whole aspect of Romans 11 about the the partial blindness upon, you know, the Jews for the sake of 
those who are to be grafted in like okay that's that's limited so it's not going to be a blindness forever because remember the blind are are healed they have their sight the lame they're given the ability to walk the deaf are given the ability to hear the mute are being given the ability to speak that's all mashiach stuff and that's us at the end of this exile that is going to happen 100% no diggity no doubt <laughs> so just want to point that out so here's the commentary all men are fashioned in God's image the honest judge bears the closest closest semblance to the divine so if you're an honest judge so looking at members of the Sanhedrin when they were judging out of true and a hundred percent honesty they were the closest semblance to the divine and it says all men are related to the almighty but the judge is as close as a son because when he dispenses justice he is performing the function of hashem himself and that's from sforno so the function so here's the thing it says if the judge is an honest representative of god he may aspire to god like immortality but if he betrays his sacred calling he is as vulnerable as the frailest of men the judge resembles adam he almost achieved the stature of an angel but his sin forced him to suffer human decay that's from the mezudot so we have another opportunity ahead of us to attain this immortality it's already at work actively in us especially for those of us who have embraced the yoke of torah who accepted upon ourselves the yoke of the kingdom as we move closer to shavuot continuing to count the omer we're just level by level rising and increasing our inner man is becoming stronger each day our outer man is decaying and there will be a point where the outer man shifts from decay to revivification rejuvenation and uh strengthening as our inner man will so um it's just crazy the the flip and the and the things that are going to happen but it's it's already in process it started now so may we all merit walking through the sea may we all merit the the final geula mashiach now